everybody for having me here today. It's been a great morning. I enjoyed very much worshiping with you all, and the, the uh, coffee and, and the lunch and everything was just terrific. Uh, as you probably know already, it's been said a number of times, my name's Jack Flynn. I'm a volunteer uh, voice for Voice of the Martyrs since around 2010. Not a professional speaker. That's why I use notes. Keep me on track so we get out of here about midnight. Is that good? <laughs> That's so we get out of here before then. But anyway, uh, my wife uh, of 45 years, it'll be 45 years on January 19th. Jenny and I live in Watertown. We have two children, Caitlin and John, uh, who are both grown out of the house. Caitlin's married. John ain't married yet, but um, they're paying their bills, not living in the basement, anything like that. So we're all set. I retired, I retired from IBM in 2009 after a 36-year career in management staff. And as you can tell as I talk, people know I'm not from Connecticut, originally from New Jersey. Yeah, Northeast Jersey, right, yes, Soprano territory for anybody. Yeah, yeah Newark. <laughs> first in, yeah, first in, yeah, I used to have a little saying, first in crime every time, Newark, New Jersey. Anyway, enough for that stick. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry that supports the persecuted Christian church in over 60 hostile and restricted countries around the world. A little technical here, hostile and restricted. Hostile means that the country, the nation itself, doesn't have laws that restrict Christianity or any other religion for that matter. However, the majority religion there uh, is the one where the government knows its bread, you know, that's where its bread gets buttered, so... Minority religions, like Christianity, tend to uh, have a bad time. Um, the example I usually use is India, which is a democracy. It doesn't have any uh, laws restricting religion. However, there are some parts of the country where there are radical Hindus who don't like the idea of Christians pro proselytizing, evangelizing in their areas. So if there's a problem uh, and the authorities get called, the Christians usually are blamed. The restricted countries mean that the country has laws saying, you know, you, can, you, can't, <laughs> you can't worship or only those who we say can or if you want to, you have to run what you're going to say through us first. Countries like that are China. We've been hearing a lot lately over the, maybe the past decade or so how China is opening up and it's a lot better than it used to be. And there's about a, anywhere, I hear a number of different uh, estimates is between 100 million and 130 million Christians there, you know, so they can't keep their eye on everybody, right? But um, recently, past couple of years, it's gotten very bad. They're out destroying, uh, destroying churches. I was just reading something in our uh, Voice of the Martyrs newsletter this morning said if they keep it up at the rate they're going, there won't be, another, there won't be any Christian churches in China in 2020, uh, the way, rate they're knocking them down. Um, the darkest, though, uh, the, probably the best, or if you, depending on how you look at it, the worst example of a restricted nation is North Korea, where it is very dark uh, for many reasons, but when it comes to worship, um, you could just forget about it. Uh, Christians there, I've heard, have to make an arrangement, like two Christians might say, well, I'll meet you on Sunday and we'll sit at this park bench. And they'll sit there, and one will have a newspaper open, the other may have a book, but they know they're worshiping the Lord. Okay, uh, parents have to tell their, uh, don't, tell, don't tell their children anything about the Lord until they're of age of reason, because in the schools, the teacher will say, do you have this book in your house? And she'll hold up a Bible. Have you ever heard the name of Jesus? I've heard where the parents go up into the attic to pray. 
Because if the children say, oh, yeah, they're not going home that day. They're going to the, you know, the state um, orphanage or whatever, and the, the parents are off to the uh, gulag, which is basically a death sentence. So those are the two, that's a diff- hostile and restricted. Voice of the Martyrs was founded in 1967. Uh, 2017 was a 50-year anniversary by a Lutheran pastor, Richard Warmbrand, who himself spent 14 years of torture and privation in communist prisons in Romania. And when the, he was, he was actually, he, him and his wife were both Jewish, secular Jews, and they were traveling around the country, and there was a Christian man there who had been praying, I want to, you know, witness to a Jewish person. And he witnessed to Pastor Warmbrand and his wife. They became Christians. He became a pastor. He was there when the Germans were there, and that was bad. But when the, when the communists came in, that was even worse. And they held the big assembly, and they brought all the pastors in because they, they knew the pastors have influence over the people. And they expected the pastors to say, yeah, these guys are great. Listen to what they tell you. So <laughs> Pastor Warmbrand was there with his wife, Sabina, and he, uh, he knew he couldn't do that. So he said to her, she, he said, you know, you know, if I go up there and I say what I'm going to say, he won't have a husband. She says, well, I don't need a coward for a husband. So he went up and he gave a fiery testimony to Christ and said, you know, your, your allegiance is to Christ, not to the government, and walked out. And he man, actually, believe it or not, he managed to stay out of prison for another couple of years. And what he and his uh, friends, his fellow Christians uh, did was evangelize Russian soldiers <laughs> of all things. And he managed to stay out for a couple of uh, more years till he was uh, what they call, they do this in China today, you might have heard the term, disappeared. He was walking down the street one day, the black car pulls up to put the hood over his head, and he was gone. He was in there for 14 years, just horrible torture. Um, in 2017, for the anniversary, Voice of the Martyrs did a full-length uh, docudrama about his life, which is really good. You could get it on their website. It's It's terrific. Uh, it, they showed it in some theaters. Um, my wife and I went to see it um, at the Man- up in Manchester there at the uh, mall. And um, at the beginning and the end, they, they start out showing uh, the Voice of the Martyrs headquarters, the auditorium there, and then they show the film. And at the end, they're singing, uh, they're, they're singing in Christ alone. The whole theater is singing in Christ alone. So it's a very uh, inspirational movie. I, I recommend you get a, if you get a chance to get that. So Voice of the Martyrs provides support to persecuted Christians from all denominations. They provide everything, just, you know, whatever they need. Um, obviously, Americans can't go into these countries and, and start evangelizing many of them without getting into trouble or getting the local church into trouble. So they try to find out, well, what do you need? And that's anywhere from food, clothing, rebuilding churches, training people up in evangelization, um, uh, training people to uh, avoid being caught, things like that. Actually, I heard a story about North Korea where um, the ministry there, some of our, and I was kind of proud of this, I heard some of our uh, special forces guys who were Christians were being used in South Korea to train those Christians because a lot of Christians will come out of North Korea, become evangelized and trained and go back in. Okay, And, and the uh, special forces guys are training them in how to, you know, there's a lot of uh, like hinterlands type places. They're very, they're very sparse, cold, gets very cold there to train them how to go in and out and also how to uh, hold up under uh, tough circumstances like uh, torture and all. So uh, they will, uh, like in Southeast Asia or in, Sa- in South America, places like Colombia, uh, they, 
pastors need motorbikes. They need a boat to get around the riverways. Okay, that's what we'll get. What do you need? We'll get it for you. So that's what they do. Okay, they even have things where you can, um, they used to be able, like Compassion International, to sponsor what they call a frontline worker. But in these circumstances, it's pretty fluid. I mean, people are you know, here today, you know, gone tomorrow, so to speak, uh, either in prison or maybe, maybe they've just said, that, that's it, you know, I've, I've had it. And um, so what they do now is you can contribute and it goes to the frontline workers fund and they disperse the money as needed uh, for those frontline workers. And you can get a picture of the person that you're sponsoring so you can pray for them every day. So they do everything they can to help them go out and fulfill the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. Now, as a volunteer, it's my job to help the church here in Connecticut be aware of these martyrs, which is just the Greek word for uh, you know, witnesses, so we can support them primarily through prayer. However, we're also blessed by hearing about how God is working through them and the faith and the love they show to those who persecute them. And I was, I was happy to hear something. We were talking about it at the coffee end there about how the love that our brothers and sisters show the people who persecute them is perhaps their greatest witness. It shows people that, you know, this isn't just Joe over here. This is real. So my appeal is not a fundraiser, it's an awareness and a prayer raiser. And Hebrews 13.3 is the voice of the martyrs' uh, signature scripture. It says, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And we have to remember we're all one body in Christ, whether we're here. And there's a lot of you know talking about that today with the message and all, about helping each other. But that extends even beyond here. It extends to... All over the world, we're united in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So millions of Christians around the world are looking for our prayers, but they're also uh, very happy. And when they hear about us praying for them, it's very encouraging for them. And they pray for us as well. Voice of the Martyrs has five main purposes. It's to encourage and empower Christians to fulfill the Great Commission in areas where they're persecuted, to provide practical relief, like Ed said, and spiritual support to the families of Christian martyrs. You know, typically, uh, I, I met a lady uh, who was from uh, Turkey, Samsiyadin. She's here in the United States now with her two children. Um, her husband was a pastor in Turkey. Some men said, oh, we want to learn more about Jesus. So he invited him over to the house on a Saturday afternoon. Him and about two other uh, men from the church were there with him, and they didn't want to learn about Jesus. They killed him. They were radical Muslims, and they killed him. Uh, some say needed help. She got the help from the church and Voice of the Martyrs. And another thing is Semsei got on the radio with one of the other wives and said that she forgave the men that killed their husbands. And there was a tremendous outpouring from that of the Holy Spirit. And many people come to faith and hear it time and time and time and time again. They want to take, undertake uh, projects to encourage and help believers to rebuild their lives after the persecution knocks them down. And, and the last one, probably the most important one that brings us into it, is to promote the fellowship of all believers by informing the world of the faith and courage of persecuted Christians and inspiring believers to a deeper level of commitment to Christ and involvement in his great commission. Now, we're very blessed to live here in the United States of America. We can worship God as we're doing today, share our faith in Jesus openly, 
But think for a minute of a different set of circumstances. What if you knew? I mean, you knew up front that you could lose your home, your family, your job, your health, even your life for becoming a Christian. Would you? Would you still openly proclaim Christ? Those would be, and here's the interesting those who become Christians in these hostile and restricted nations, they know up front that if they become a Christian, that's exactly what they're going to get. That's another great testimony to the faith. That this isn't just some kind of a club. That these people know they're going to lose, they could lose everything, including their life. But yet, they're drawn by the Holy Spirit to put their faith in Christ, and they do. Some of them are in very favorable societal and economic circumstances to begin with. I heard a story of a young man from India was in the Brahmin class. I believe that's the highest caste there. They're doing very well. He became a Christian. His family threw him out. He came back after a while, and you know, he figured, okay, the family's reconciled to this, but his mother put poison in his food. He almost died. So you know, needless to say, he left his family completely after that. But this is what, this is what our people face. And uh, the last video I'll be showing is about a man named Bouchin who was a public official. He became, in Laos, became a Christian, and uh, that was it. So this is a very powerful message to us that these conditions exist and people know about it up front. Now, Pastor Warmbrand was in prison for 14 years. The communists, you know, they say they're against money and capitalism, but they're willing to take ransom money. So he was able to be ransomed out of Romania and came to the United States um, in the 60s. And believe it or not, people here, you know, he's telling them about what was going on behind what we called at the time the Iron Curtain, what you, you must be kidding. They had no idea of the people that were in the gulags and the prisons and going in front of the firing squads for their faith. So he testified, he testified before Congress and all that, and that's what inspired him to say, our brothers and sisters need a voice. So that's when he started Voice of the Martyrs in 1967. I saw an article uh, in a Pew poll, about a Pew poll recently that spoke about a growing number of nuns in our society today, people who don't go to church, no religion. And the poll asked why. And what they said is they just don't believe in God or religion. It doesn't make any sense to them in the light of science and all that. It's not real to them. The witness of our persecuted brothers and sisters makes their faith in Jesus Christ very real to many who persecute them. And their stories can help make faith in Jesus Christ very real to people here in the United States who may just shrug, shrug off Christians as people who belong to a club, they go to on Sundays, they have their own ways of talking, and they sing some songs and stuff like that. It makes it very real to them when they see people who endure horrible circumstances and even turn around and show the love of Christ to their brothers and sisters, it makes it real that they know this isn't just a club. It's more than that. And it's a great way of letting people know about the reality of the Christian faith. I'm going to go to a video in a minute because I like to let the persecuted speak for themselves. It's about a young lady by the name of Sarah Liu, who I, had a, I, I met. She was ransomed out of China. A young lady, she was in her, I guess, late teens, early 20s, wanted to go to college and become a doctor. I think her mother was a doctor, but her mother also became a Christian. Kept trying to get her to go to church, and she wouldn't go. And <laughs> the churches, you, you guys have a long service here, it's great. I, really, I loved it. In China, they're in church for days, okay? <laughs> they, they go to the house church, and they might be there for three days. 
So Sarah's sister was suffering some very terrible depression, and she was delivered from that by the Lord. She saw that. So she went to the church, and she became a Christian. And she's the type of person. I mean, she's a, she's a firebrand. I mean, she was out evangelizing, got arrested, put into jail for a while, got out. People said, okay, now, you know, you better look out. Right back out, evangelizing again, arrested, back into jail again. He said, you better look out, Sarah. Now, like I said before, there's about 100 million, 130 million Christians in China, and they can't keep track of everybody. But if you're a troublemaker, if they identify you as a troublemaker, you're in for it big time. And it's pretty bad, and you're going to get to see that in a minute. Well, that's what happened to Sarah. You're going to see a little reenactment. Uh, you'll, you'll hear her first, her testimony, and then you'll see a reenactment of what happened to her when she went out the third time to evangelize. And, um, okay, you can uh, hit the lights and uh, the video. Uh, oh, like they said before, you know, uh, middle school and up should be okay. Little ones might get upset because they're way behind.
Well, it was a very happy ending to that story. She did get out of prison, got ransomed out to the United States. Um, she's married now, uh, works for an organization called China Aid, which helps the uh, church in China. Um, <clears throat> she also speaks at our conferences. I, I've met her. And one thing you hear, there's some important things to take from that, even though it was a little dark, um, is if you notice, you know, one of the hardest things when I first start learning about the persecuted church and speaking, I was saying, uh, talking to my men's group, you know, it's like, yeah, Jack, we'll pray for him. But, man, you know, I don't know, you know, I mean, how could they? The first thing you'll hear, they're just like us. The first thing you'll hear out of their mouth is, it wasn't me, it's the Lord. Um, you heard her say, hey, maybe I should sign the document, God will forgive me. I mean, it's just like, you know, they're, they're normal people just like you and me, but when the time comes, they rely on, on the Lord, on his strength, and he's what gets them through. So I became involved by reading our newsletter. I, I was at an uh, Iron Sharpens Iron conference back in uh, 2008, and I'm walking around, and I saw their table, and I see these pictures, and I'm like, what? You know, I, we're still not all that aware, although since then, with what's gone on in the Middle East is, is much more of an awareness in the general public even of the type of persecution and, and terrible things going on. But, you know, not, really not as much. So I, I saw these things. I picked up the newsletter and I start reading it and I, I was amazed, you know, by, by what I saw. I subscribed to it. And I, I really shouldn't have been because, if, you know, in John 15, uh, 19 to 20, it says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we're the exception, not the rule. And John 16.33, this is one of my favorites, kind of goes, gets into some of what was being talked about in the message today. It says, in this world you will have trouble. And that's something we, I think we could all relate to. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So when trouble comes, we must rely on Jesus and Jesus alone to get us through it. The monthly newsletter, I talked about that. We have, uh, I have free copies. Everything on the table is free. I have free copies of the special edition out on the table. Uh, make sure you pick one of those up. If you want to subscribe to it, there's a little card out there. If you fill it out, give it to me. I'll mail them all in, and you'll get this. You'll get the uh, newsletter every month. It's a great way to hear about you know what's going on. Direct your prayers, and like I said, it'll, it'll be an encouragement. At first, it's hard to see that. You know, I have people, you know, it's hard to take. But as you start reading and as you start seeing how the Lord is working in mighty, mighty ways, you'll be encouraged by reading these stories. So I signed up for that. I got the newsletter. I went to a, we have conferences uh, around the country. I think one of your people here, uh, was it Tim? Yeah, yeah, he went to the one that was in uh, Brookfield in uh, June of this year. I haven't seen any on the calendar for Connecticut uh, coming up this year, but if you go to the website and look up events, they'll be out there if there is one. They're great. They're free. And uh, you have brothers and sisters there who have given their testimony about how they've overcome through persecution. So this message needs to be hear, heard by the church in Connecticut and in the United States in general. 
we need to understand that the same power of the Holy Spirit that allows them to suffer through such things is there for us. Same one. Our, our circumstances are very different. But the decisions that we have to make and the God that we serve is the same. So we need that help too to resist sin and temptation, to witness for Christ, and to do, endure our trials and hardships. You know, a Voice of the Martyrs has a Facebook page. I saw one day a quote by a, a famous Christian author and speaker, John Piper. He said, there's a great gulf between the Christianity that wrestles whether to worship at the cost of imprisonment and death and a Christianity that wrestles with whether or not the kids should play soccer on a Sunday. Yeah. So, yes, our circumstances are very different. But in the, in the final analysis, we all have the same decisions to make as our persecuted brothers and sisters. Um, another little item here is we have a, a guide that'll tell you all the different hostile and restricted countries. It gives you a little bit of information about each one. Once again, it's a great way to direct your prayer. On your smartphone, there's a Voice of the Martyrs app. Uh, besides articles, information about you know, what's going on in the world, every day there's a different prayer request that you could get on that app. So something to look into. Uh, none of this, ha- you don't have to remember any of this. You go to the website, www.persecution.com, and it'll all be there. Now, how do you get involved? There are many ways to get involved. Too many to go through, but I'll give you a few highlights. First of all, you could write to our brothers and sisters who are in prisons. There's a letter writing um, function on the website where you go and say, okay, what country, China, who's, who's in prison there? It'll give you a list of names. Click on a name. And then what they do is they'll give you a series of Bible verses and uh, phrases that allow you to put together a letter, and it'll put it in their language, and then it will tell you where to mail it. And so you get an envelope, put it on a mail, tell you how much, you know, how much the uh, postage is going to be. And what really gets interesting is if you put your return address on it. Um, I have to admit, I did that, and I gave, I had a little bit of a tinge. As sending uh, a letter with my return address to a prison in Iran, Ivan Prison. And I'll tell you, so, so some of the folks out there are pretty nasty. Voice of the Martyrs has gotten threats from North Korea. Uh, they they have a, a ministry where they were uh, sending balloons out over North Korea that had tracks in them, and the tracks that come down over North Korea. And the North Koreans on the other side of the river there with the bullhorn saying, we know what you're doing, and we have our mortars trained on your position. So, you know, it, it, it's a nasty, nasty thing. You know, you might, we might think we're insulated from it, but it may not be. Um, you could, like I said, you could adopt a frontline worker. Now, you could do that via prayer alone. You could say, I commit to pray. Or you could decide you're going to give a, a certain amount every month that will go into the bucket that goes out to the frontline workers and get them a motorbike or help rebuild a church or get them training or whatever they need. Uh, I commit to pray. Uh, you could get an email once a week. It'll give you about three different situations that are going on and another way to direct your prayer. Oh, one, one thing I want to mention with all the kids I've seen here today, there's a, a link uh, called Kids of Courage, and it's, it's a specific uh, link and a website meant for children. And it puts this into uh, a context that children could understand you know, what's right for them. And they also they have these really great guides that could be used for homeschooling. 
Uh, you could buy them or you could pull down their PDF files for free. And what it will do, like say for India, it'll, it'll tell, besides telling you what's going on there as far as the persecution in the church does, it gives you things like geography and you know, all that good stuff about, about the country. So you know, it's, it's good for homeschooling and there, there's many other resources for kids out there as well. Um, so, like I said, the main, one of the things you want. Oh, well, before I before I forget, uh, Bibles Unbound. You can send a Bible. This will kind of tie into to the last video clip. Uh, for about thirty dollars, you could send six Bibles out there, and if they could let you know who the person is, they'll tell you who it's going to. So you have a connect, and then it arrived, and so you have a connection with that person, and you could pray for them. So like I said, there's, there's many, many other ways you could be informed, get involved. Uh, what I'm doing here is not the only thing you could do. There's a VOM voice site, and there's ways that you could get involved in your local church, maybe do updates on what's happening out there, do something in the uh, Sunday school. Many, many ways you could get involved in helping out and being a voice for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So what I'm going to leave you with is the last little video clip here. It's, it's lighter than the other one. Um, and it's about a, a fellow by the name of Baushin. He's from Laos. And like I said, many people are in favorable conditions. He was a public official in Laos. And he came to know the Lord. And that, that was the end of that. And he got thrown into prison. He was in there for 12 years before he was let out. And uh, he, he was okay with what was going on, except he didn't have his Bible. So that, that's the gist of the story. So we could roll that one now. And I, once again, that'll be it. I thank you very much for having me here. to myself. 
but the words are getting harder and harder to remember. I can handle the torture, the starvation, but I desperately need my Bible. Every day I pray, over and over, for God to give me a Bible. Now I have my chance. The interrogations have ended, and the guards trust me to go into the jungle to gather firewood. Working as fast as I can, I will collect two days' worth of firewood. I'll bring one bundle back, and leave the second bundle in the woods. This is what I need to do. It is very risky, but God is answering my prayer. I will risk everything to have a Bible. answer my prayer. I have a Bible, but I must be careful. They found my Bible, but I will not give up. I will bring in more Bibles. every chance I get.
Jackson.